Welcome to the Whole House Podcast, where you can find home, health, and family all in one place. Our team is comprised of moms from different upbringings and backgrounds. We each have different giftings and passions representing individual rooms, and together we are the Whole House. So grab a cup of coffee and join us for the Whole House Podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to Positive Adoption. Last week, I finished up a series on the five bees affected by trauma. And if you're interested in how trauma affects your children that you have adopted or you foster or even have a capital letter syndrome, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to those series. They're each less than 15 minutes. So I'm moving on to a new topic today. I'm going to talk about the basics of attachment. Now I'm coming from the perspective of an adoptive parent. As you know, my husband and I adopted a sibling group of four, and um, so that's the perspective I'm coming from. So just let's set that up. So I'm going to read to you a little section from How to Have Peace When Your Kids Are in Chaos for Adoptive and Foster Parents. We adoptive parents often view our now life from our lens instead of our children's. We may see something like Kids Church as a fun opportunity to learn more about the gospel, while our newly adopted kiddos may see it as a huge scary room with lots of noise, lights, music, and strange kids, and no mom and dad. With all of that going on, the lesson of the day may not register. Children from an orphanage setting may even think it's another orphanage, which could set off a whole host of triggers. And that was true for my kiddos. They were greatly triggered by that. We must be careful to weed out the activities that will impede our newbies' attachment. Attachment is the primary goal. Anything that gets in the way of this goal must be ruthlessly eliminated from the schedule. So despite the stares, the questions, and being called into the pastor's office for questioning, Our children sat with us in the sanctuary during kids' church for a season. True story. So, attachment is the main goal for foster parents and adoptive parents. Like, that's our primary, our first goal. But maybe your question is right now, well, what is attachment? I know it's gotten a lot more um, social media time, screen time, it's more out in the open now because now we have attachment parenting, baby wearing. We're learning the importance of what attachment does for the brain. And that is so amazing. It is so wonderful. I'm so excited that that is at the forefront now. But maybe your kiddos have had breaks in attachment and you're sitting there thinking, okay, I know that they've had breaks in attachment. I've heard those words used in that order but I'm really not even sure what the attachment cycle is. So for one thing, I will definitely, definitely put the attachment cycle infographic up on our printable resource page so that you can find it there and you can look at it. But it's very, very, very simple. The truth is what happens in the attachment cycle is this starts when the baby is born. The infant has a need The infant expresses the need through crying because that's the only way that an infant knows how to communicate at that point. And then the parent or the guardian meets that need 
and the cycle is repeated over and over and over. There's a need, the need is met. There's a need, the need is met. Maybe the baby needs a diaper change. Maybe he needs fed. Maybe he needs held. All of those things, whenever the parent or guardian is meeting those needs, then you're completing the attachment cycle. So realistically, it usually happens without thinking about it, studying it, or reading books about it. Parents just do it, you know? It's just a natural, normal thing that a healthy attachment cycle is completed. And I think one of the reasons it's been on social media or on news or on shows about the attachment cycle is because we have so many kiddos now that have that attachment cycle broken. So what happens is the infant expresses a need. Maybe he cries, he needs changed, he needs fed, and that need is ignored. And then maybe it's met the next time, then it's ignored again. And we call those breaks in attachment. And they're pretty serious. And sometimes parents, without realizing it, are causing a little bit of detachment with their infants. So if this is you, don't freak out about it. It's not super huge. You can adjust this. You know, the parents who leave the baby in the car seat all the time. Like when you get to church and the baby's asleep and you just want to leave them in the car seat. Yeah, once in a while, that's fine. Understandable, did it myself. But when it becomes a habit where... You're not holding your child regularly. Like that myth of, if you hold that child, you're going to spoil them. No, that is not true. You cannot spoil an infant by holding them. You cannot spoil a six-month by holding them. You could probably spoil them by stuffing candy in their mouth when they don't need candy. That's, that's different. But attachment means that that child's needs are being met by you. And so when you look at it in the adoptive scenario, like when we adopted and our kids were seven, six, four, and one, they had already had many, many breaks in the attachment cycle. So with our primary goal being attachment, we needed to meet their needs. We needed to be the ones, and really mostly me because my husband was at work, I needed to be the one that was feeding them food regularly, reading them stories, making them feel secure. Those are repairing. Those are repairing actions. And when your child has had breaks in attachment, you have to go back in with the metaphorical putty and patch things up over and over and over and over again. And sometimes it's as simple as sitting there reading a book before bedtime or teaching your child nursery rhymes. You know, I heard a story of a newly adoptive family driving down the road, and this only makes sense if you know that they were newly adoptive, and some of the bio kids started singing nursery rhymes, and the new kiddos didn't know the nursery rhymes. No one had ever taught them the songs. No one had ever read the books with them. So then they had to get out that metaphorical putty and go back and fill in those gaps. So maybe you're listening and you're thinking, okay, this, is, this sounds very familiar to me. So listen on. So children who struggle with attachment issues need time to attach to one or two parents. Otherwise, they will remain unattached yet superficially engaging to strangers. 
They may look happy-go-like, happy-go-lucky, well-adjusted children in public, but in the privacy of their home, they demand control. They are miniature terrorists, or large ones, depending on their age, ruling the household with anger, violence, and battles choreographed over insignificant things in order to control their environment. It is sort of self-soothing. These children had to meet their own needs early on. No one was there for them. They need to know that their needs will be met, and they believe they must meet them themselves, so they do. However, the way they accomplish this goal is painful in a family. So maybe that sounds like you. Because when we talk about attachment issues and we want to attach to these kiddos and it can sound flowery and rainbowy and unicorny and wonderful, we're just kind of sitting on the couch with them and snuggling with them and maybe that's what you picture you were going to have in your home and you're getting the opposite and you're wondering, how do I go back and repair? How do I get out that putty and repair those problems? Well, number one, if your child has had breaks in attachment, you certainly want to keep them at home with you as much as possible at first. I think Dr. Purvis recommended for the first three months even if you have to quit your job for a season. And I know that sounds harsh, but you know what? The attachment issues will only grow in severity if they're not, if those repairs aren't made. And it's our job as parents to make those repairs. So when I was the one who all of a sudden wasn't letting my kids go to um, kids church not letting them that wasn't that's not the proper word they really didn't want to go to kids church because it was so overwhelming to them and they needed to be close to me they needed to attach to me I even even though I was in leadership in my homeschool co-op thesis I skipped that for a season until the other co-leaders were calling me and texting me, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? When are you coming back to your teaching duties? And when I did come back to my teaching duties, I had a toddler in one arm and another on the other hip. And often another kid would have to come in while I was teaching and just to be with me, to be close to me. And that's what attachment is. And at that stage of the game, they're not infants. You're not holding them and gazing lovingly into their eyes. They're attached at your hip. And it can be, um, I don't want to say, I'm not going to say painful. It's just a little bit different at that stage of the game. It's more inconvenient. Let me put it that way. Not that I didn't love those kids and not that I didn't want to hold them and be with them and attach with them because in my brain, I knew the primary goal at that stage was to attach. So I did. I taught with one child in my arm, a toddler, and one on my hip. And I even started teaching one of her Wednesday night classes so that she would go and I would be with her at the same time. So if you have kids that are struggling with attachment issues and you're thinking, how am I going to manage this? I will honestly tell you it has to be minute by minute. It has to be day by day. But you also have to have an underlying purpose. If your underlying and firm purpose is 
You can even call it your God-sized dream for that season. Like that's Holly Girth's term, and I love that term. Maybe your God-sized dream for a season is to attach to your children and to repair those breaches and to get out your metaphorical putty and fill in those holes, then it becomes a little bit easier to make those decisions. Because when you're making a decision about whether you're going to participate in this activity, or if your kids are going to go to kids' church, or if you're going to coach or teach, then you go back to that God-sized dream and purpose. If it's to attach, is this going to help my kids attach during this season? Or is it going to cause more breaks in attachment? And it's for a season. If you're thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't sign up for this. I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. No, you don't have to do it for the rest of your life. You have to do it for a season. And then you move into a new season where your kids are getting better at regulating and your kids are feeling better about doing things out in the world without you two inches from them or attached to them. So it is it is a season. And if you can think of it that way, that makes it a little bit easier that you have a purpose for a season. And your purpose for this season is to attach to your children and to repair those breaches, to repair those Um, times that their needs were not met and to provide self-felt safety. Yeah, I can say that. Felt safety for your kiddos so that they know that you are there and you are their secure base that they can return to. Once they know that they have a secure base that they can return to, then they will begin to venture out more and more and more. And so, like I said, I will um, I will put this infographic, really it's just a little graphic about the attachment cycle, on our printable resources page so you can download it and have it in front of you, especially if you're trying to have a conversation with your family or your church leaders or teachers at the school and explain to them, you know what, right now in this season we're working on attachment and this is how it's supposed to be. But these things got broken, and we need to fix it. We need to repair. We're not fixing the kids. The kids don't need fixed. We're fixing the the attachment cycle. We're meeting their needs when they need to be met so that they feel more secure. And then once they have that secure base, they can venture more out into the world and feel like they can do more things without fear, without being triggered constantly. So I'm going to finish up for today, and I will see you next week on Positive Adoption. Thanks for joining me. We're so glad you could join us on the Whole House Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. Follow us on our Facebook page and on Instagram at the underscore whole underscore house. You can also follow us on thewholehouse.org by email to receive our newsletter and keep up to date on things happening at the Whole House.